Turn with me to John chapter 12. We're going to be starting in verse 44. Last week we saw that we are often like the Jews who denied that the Messiah would suffer and die. Only hearing and repeating what we want, the things we like from the Bible. Our selective hearing and our selective speaking of the things that, uh, that seem nice to us at the moment. And as we saw, this largely comes out of our lack of faith, comes out of our fears and our desire for happy things to tickle our ears. Well, in our passage today, Jesus responds to the Jews with some familiar words. He calls himself, once again, the light of the world. He once again declares that his message is from God and not from himself. He once again offers eternal life to those who believe in him. He says he didn't come to judge the world, but to save the world. If you remember all the way back in John 3, John 3.16 being one of our favorites, right? This is, this is a familiar theme. But at the same time, Jesus also includes several of those negative things that we don't want to hear. Those things that were selective in our hearing. Remember what I said last week, that you really can't separate the Old Testament and and hear half of it and not hear the other half. It all has to come together. The same with the New Testament, the New Covenant, the Gospel message. That's what we're talking about. Well, what we see that can't be separated from all of these happy things I was just talking about This morning is Jesus' words that relate to darkness, that are commandments, and that are threats of judgment. And ultimately what we see in this passage is that the gospel is a declaration of both God's mercy and his judgment. The gospel is a declaration both of God's mercy and his judgment. And therefore, it takes faith to proclaim the gospel as it truly is. Of course, I'm I'm relying on last week's sermon in some, in some respects here this morning, saying don't be selective 
in what you hear and in what you speak, but speak the whole counsel of God, speak all of his truth. But even if you weren't here, you didn't hear that sermon, it's clear, even in this passage alone and without that background, that Jesus is proclaiming the gospel. And yet he includes both of these things, this this very positive, happy thing, God's mercy and his grace, and on the other hand, this threat of judgment. So please stand for the reading of God's word. Again, starting with John 12, verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light into the world, so that everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. If you look back at verse 44 and 45, Jesus starts out this short little message, a short little speech, by pointing out that when we put our faith in him, it isn't faith in a man, but in God himself. That putting our faith in Jesus Christ is to have the promise of God the Father for the outcome of what that faith will produce. And therefore, it is to be trusted completely. This, of course, comes right on the heels of Verses 42 and 43 where it says, Nevertheless, many of the rulers believed in him, but because of the Pharisees, they were not confessing him for fear that they would be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the approval of men rather than the approval of God. So that fear that they have of whether it's worth it, of what the cost is going to be, of whether God will deliver, whether he's going to come through with the goods, right? That fear is part of what Jesus is answering when he says, he who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. And he who sees me sees the one who sent me. 
or again at the end when he says that he did not speak on his own initiative, but the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Or again, therefore, verse 50, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father told me. And so he is, he is adamant that what he is saying is God's word. And that we remember that it is the word of God and not the word of a man. And that having believed in it, we have believed God himself and therefore there is no doubt at all about it being true, about it coming to pass, about him accomplishing it. Well, those fears that we face... Those are in contrast to this believing. And in verse 46, we see that if we do believe, if we do put our faith in Him, then that means leaving the darkness behind. Everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Now, as we've seen in the book of John, there's there's another category of people. People who hear, but don't believe. They've heard the words of Jesus, and yet they have decided they are the words of a man, not the words of God. They hear the words of Jesus, and they even say that they believe, and yet they do not live in the light, but rather remain in the darkness. And so those who hear but do not believe, what you see in verse 47 is that they will not keep Jesus' words. What you see in verse 46 is that they don't leave the darkness. In other words, they don't receive his sayings. They don't actually receive his sayings. There are various ways to look at this, to see how this plays out. We've seen several times in John, how there are people who it describes as having believed, the crowds were believing, and so forth, and then it says that, but they didn't believe the way that they they needed to believe. What does remaining in the darkness mean? Well, part of it, if you think, if you go back to verse 42 and you think about the fear that was keeping them from confessing Jesus Christ, that fear was that they would be put out of the synagogue. And yet, 
that itself is an example of living in the darkness. Because refusal to separate from those who are in darkness is to remain in the darkness, right? Refusing to separate ourselves from those who are going to to destruction is to be with them on the path to destruction. Think of Lot and his family. If they had not come out of Sodom. If they refused to separate themselves, if they refused to be a distinct people, then they remain among the people. Right? And it's the same with these people who, these religious leaders, it says that they believed and yet they were afraid to confess Christ because they were afraid of being put out of the synagogue. And ultimately, every one of those people faced a choice. After Christ died, after he rose, were they going to confess him or were they going to remain in the synagogue? You think I'm being you you think I'm being harsh, right, in saying that it was one or the other. Couldn't they, you know, sort of slowly maybe try to make change in the synagogue? And the answer is, well, they could they could go to the synagogue and they could proclaim the good news, like Jesus is here proclaiming the good news. But where the New Testament speaks of the synagogue of Satan, that's what we're seeing, right? That ultimately it was a choice of whether to remain in the synagogue in darkness or to come out with Christ into his light. And so ultimately, that That choice is whether to receive the words of Christ. And any of of these things that you see describing those who remain in the synagogue, those who remain uh, in darkness, those who do not fulfill his sayings, obey his commands, right? All of this is ultimately rejecting Christ. And that's what Jesus is speaking about when he says in verse 47, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them. And then you get this, you get this wonderful, merciful follow-up. You know, Because what I'm expecting right there is, if anyone hears my words and does not keep them, The hammer is coming down, right? And what does he follow that with? He says, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. Now right about here, maybe you guys are going, okay, I'm I'm lost. There seems to be some real contradictions here if you're remembering the rest of the book of John. John. 
What are those contradictions? Well, on the one hand, you remember that Jesus is the one who's going to judge, right? And you, you may also um, remember that he's going to come back with a sword in his mouth and a rod of iron and crush his enemies under his feet, right? <clears throat> well, this verse 47 can't be separated from the rest of the book of John. And so we have to make sense of it with the rest of the letter that John is writing as well as the rest of the, the whole Bible. And so, in verse 47, when he says, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world, there's a couple of things going on. The first is that it's followed up immediately with verse 48. And verse 48 says, He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. In other words, there is a judgment coming. The word I spoke is what will judge him at the last day. So Jesus in verse 47 had just gotten done saying that he doesn't judge that man because his business right then is to save. So if you think about the Old Testament, and you think about what the Jews knew about the Messiah. Remember last week that what we saw they knew was that the Messiah would remain forever. But they had conveniently forgotten the fact that he was going to be a suffering servant. That he was going to be lifted up and die on a cross. That's selective hearing. Well, here this morning... You've got, a, you've got another example of that with what was he going to do when he came? Well, he was coming to save, right? But he was also coming to judge. If you look at the Old Testament, you've got both of those themes throughout the prophecies in the Old Testament. And so, remember last time where we were talking about uh, him dying versus him remaining forever. The problem is resolved in the fact that he's coming twice, right? He came the first time to die. And he comes the second time to remain forever, right? Well, likewise, here, the first time, he comes to save. And the second time he comes to judge. And this is the the gospel. This is the good news. The fact that Jesus has come can't be separated from the fact that he is coming again. Right? If If he wasn't coming again, then we wouldn't be here. Paul says that we of all men would be most... Most to be pitied. Excuse me. However, judgment will come. 
Listen to this prophecy about Jesus from Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verses 18 and 19, he says, I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. So do you see this? This prophecy is a prophecy of the coming Messiah, that the Messiah will come, that he will speak the words of Jesus, that he will speak the words of the Father to the people. And it's followed immediately. Thank you so much. Followed immediately by. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. In other words, not only is there a message from God, and this message is one of hope, but those who reject it will be judged. So again, we see both, both sides of the coming of Christ, or both, both times that Christ comes. You see the coming that he, his first coming when he comes bringing peace and salvation and an offer of hope and mercy. And you see the, the, the threat that if we do not listen, that it will be required of us. <clears throat> and so mercy and judgment... Mercy and justice, both of them are being held out in the words of Christ. He is proclaiming mercy and he is proclaiming judgment. He's saying, I don't judge you, I came to offer salvation. And then he immediately follows it, there is one who will judge the person who rejects these words. That person will be judged by those words themselves. Now this is, this is where we're, you know, it's, it's easy to get wrapped up in this, in, in metaphysical questions of what does it mean to be judged by a word? You know, and, and when Jesus says that he won't judge him, what is he really saying there? <clears throat> but I just, want you to, I just want you to stop first and say, okay, mercy and justice. That's what we're hearing in Jesus' message this morning. We're hearing a declaration both of mercy and justice. And indeed, Psalm 101, verse 1, the psalm starts out, I will sing of loving kindness and justice. I will sing of loving kindness and justice. And, and that, that's the good news. If, if Jesus Christ has come to be the Word made flesh, 
right? If he has come to bring a message of hope, he has also come to bring a message of judgment and justice. And so we sing, if we sing of him, we sing of both. That's what Psalm 101 is is starting out saying. I will sing of loving kindness and justice. And how are they brought together? They're brought together in Christ Jesus. And the moment you understand that, then all of a sudden you realize that, yes, Jesus himself will judge. And then John 5.22, where we remember, it says, For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. It makes all the sense in the world now. Because when Jesus says, I do not judge, but there is one who will judge, the Word will judge. Who is the Word? Jesus himself is the Word. The word that he spoke is what will judge him at the last day. So judgment is delayed, but what does he mean when he says that his words, that his word will judge as opposed to himself? Right? Well, He's speaking of himself right then in contrast with the coming judgment. That right then what he is offering is mercy. And so he does not judge right then, but the word that he is proclaiming is what brings judgment on those people that, do, that reject it. Do you see that? The very proclamation of God's mercy, when Jesus says, I came bringing salvation, here is an offer of mercy. This is, I am the light of the world. Come out of darkness and into the light. This is the gospel. This is the good news. And yet, the very word that Jesus is speaking is ultimately a word that condemns those who will not come out of darkness. This is why I say that, you know, justice and mercy come completely together in Christ's message here. Now, I understand that this is a difficult concept. In in some ways, this is hard to understand. Part of the reason it's hard is because mercy and justice are like oil and water in our minds. And so right there, we just have kind of a a brain freeze. It's like, uh, how can mercy and justice really come together? But the way that they come together is right in the words of Jesus. The message itself contains an offer of mercy and the proof of the mercy is the fact that Jesus is not judging right then. 
right? What does it say? Why is he not returned? Well, one of, one of the things that we read is that he has not come back and begun the judgment because he is being patient. Right? He's being merciful in giving us time to repent. But Jesus is also saying, this word, this very message that I am speaking and and that I embody himself being the word, right? He embodies this message. What is the what is the message? You know, if if you want to, if you in one word want to say what is the gospel, the answer is Jesus, right? That is the gospel. He is the good news. And so you see him. They're standing in front of him. They're hearing the offer of salvation. Follow me and receive what? Eternal life. To reject that offer is to place yourself under that condemnation. That is implicit in the offer of salvation. It increases your guilt. Paul speaks of this in Romans, right? That those who are those who have the law and die in their sins, they they they're judged according to the law. Those who don't have the law die just the same and are judged, but they're judged differently, right? That's what we're seeing here, that Jesus is speaking an offer of mercy, and if we reject it, that message itself, that word we have heard, if we reject it, it increases our guilt. It judges us. And this is how the justice and the mercy are are brought into the the very same message. They're brought by the, the character of God into Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who comes once bringing salvation and comes again bringing judgment. And is it because he's at war with himself? No, it's because he is at war with sin. His judgment is delayed, and he is speaking of himself. Jesus is the everlasting word. We, we read of <clears throat> both the mercy and the judge and the justice in 2 Peter 3, 7. It says, but by his word, the present heavens and earth are being reserved for fire. Kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. 
Well, that goes right along with why is he delaying, right? They're being reserved for fire, but they're also being reserved out of God's mercy for us so that we may repent. And so those who hear this good news and reject it are judged according to that good news. While those who never hear are judged according to what they have heard. Judgment comes. It comes to all men. But woe to those who hear the good news of Christ and reject it. So the gospel is a message of God's mercy and his wrath. It is a message of doom if you won't repent. But it is also a promise of life if you do repent. I was reading Calvin... uh, on this passage, and he has this this great sentence. He says, It is impossible to give a nobler or more magnificent title to the gospel than to ascribe to it the power of judging. Now, if we were talking about the gospel, we would say, there's nothing more noble that you could say about the gospel than that it saves. And Calvin goes completely the other direction. He says there's nothing more noble that you could say about the gospel than that it judges. Why? He says, for according to these words, the last judgment shall be nothing else than the ratification of the doctrine of the gospel. The last judgment is the proof of the truth of the gospel. Why is it proof? Well, because on that day, Christ's followers will go into everlasting life. The sheep and the goats will be separated on that day, some to salvation and some to everlasting judgment. That is the message of the gospel, is it not? That those who are under his blood are saved eternally. What happens on that day of judgment? What happens on the day of judgment is that those two groups are separated and they receive what the gospel said they would receive. What Jesus said in our passage they would receive that those who have come out of darkness and received his words will receive eternal life in his light. But that those who do not and who remain in darkness will receive judgment. And they'll be judged according to that word, that gospel. On that day, that great and terrible day, That's when the gospel is proclaimed most fully. It's at the judgment. 
And so there's another aspect, you know, when you say, when we say judgment, and I've said judgment a lot, and you're all getting facial tics, you know. We say judgment, and we don't like to hear it. But Calvin continues on a little later, and he says, wherever the faith of the gospel has its seat, the faith of the gospel has its seat where? In our hearts, right? We have, those of us who have received Christ have faith. Gospel faith in our hearts. Wherever the faith of the gospel has its seat, the tribunal of God is erected to save. What happens at a tribunal? The judgment, right? And so, it is our hope that we will be judged and that we will be judged according to the way that Christ promised we would be judged. That is our hope, is it not? That's the good news. That's the gospel. I believe that I will be judged the way Jesus said I would be judged. And how did he say that I would be judged? Having put my faith in him, I will be judged according to what he has done instead of what I have done. That's our hope. That's why the last judgment is simply a confirmation, a ratification of the gospel. And so it is that as Jesus ends this passage, he reiterates that the command he gives is eternal life. And we have nothing to fear. The judgment is coming. And I'm not afraid. The judgment is coming and I'm not afraid. There are many people who know that the judgment is coming and are not afraid. Some of them because they have received by faith the righteousness of Jesus Christ for themselves. And they know that on that day of judgment, nothing will be found but Christ's righteousness for them. But there are other people who have no fear of that coming judgment, and they will be judged by this word. They have rejected it. And they will be cast into eternal torment for their rejection of it. The gospel message cannot be treated lightly because it is a message of judgment and it is a message of salvation. And so when we are tempted today and when other people today speak about wanting more gospel, 
What are you talking about? You're talking about what Jesus says here. The word that will judge that they will be judged by. I want more of the word that I will be judged by. Well, Jesus never separates that word of judgment from the necessity of obedience, does he? What about in our passage? <clears throat> I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. His commandment is eternal life. What is the command? The command is submit yourself to Christ. And the judgment you will receive is his righteousness. And so, yes, it's, it's, that's right. As Christians, we want more of that judgment. You want that judgment. That judgment of salvation. That judgment based on the righteousness of Christ. But they can't ever mean that you don't want to hear about obedience to him. It can't mean that, the, that, that when we speak to others, that somehow there's supposed to be this declaration of good news without any threat of coming judgment. There can't be good news in that regard. And so Jesus ends his gospel message with that treasure. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. And so I look at you and I say, do you believe that? Do you believe that his commandment is eternal life? Then speak just as the Father has commanded you. Don't speak the way that American TV Christianity has begun to speak about the gospel. Speak the way Jesus speaks, fulfilling the word. Bringing with it the full weight of, here is salvation. Take it or die. Here is mercy. Receive it or be judged by it. That's what Jesus is saying. I am the light of the world. 
be in me or be in darkness? This is the message of hope. Don't be ashamed of it. Proclaim it with joy. Let's pray.